1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to jump around uh, a bunch of places. Um, I think all the scripture that we'll get to, with the exception of what Sue just read, is will be on the screen. Uh, so probably the best bet is just to stay in 1 Corinthians 12 if you're there. Um, let's pray, and we'll get into the message tonight. God, I thank you for your creation of the church, the church global, Father, and I thank you in particular for the church here in this expression, Father, and these people that have gathered together and connected here with your body in this particular expression, Father. I thank you for for these people, Father. I pray that you would guide us as we go on this biblical investigation, questioning what it is that you have created, questioning what it is that you have designed us for, Father. I I pray that you would guide our thoughts and our words tonight, guide our thoughts and our words throughout the week, and keep us free from distraction tonight that we might uh, have a, a piece of your character and a piece of our purpose revealed to us tonight. Our purpose as individuals and our purpose as a corporate gathering, Father. Lord, we thank You above all else for Your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His perfect name that I pray. Amen. So, we are in the midst of this series and on the church, part two tonight. Um, And I want to... I want to speak a couple of things before we get into the, the heart of the message. And those things are that we are, Dave and I as, as leaders are pouring much of, of our free time, much of our lives into this series because it is vital. And I use that word a lot, but I want to define it. It makes up the very fabric. Our breath, oxygen is vital to our bodies. This series is vital to us as a church to, to really comprehend and really know and understand exactly what the church was created for in a global context and exactly what this church was created for and how we fit into that purpose. So it's, it's really important, the stuff that we're teaching from this platform. And I think you may have noticed this week, I, I wrote a couple of blogs and, and we community group was, was designed upon Dave's message last week. And so... That'll be consistently happening to, to deal with the stuff that we bring before you on a Sunday throughout the week in community group and throughout the week on the blog. So be, uh, be aware of those things and connect with those things because it's, this, this thing is, is really, really important for us to, to really lay hold of and grab hold of. And a big part of the motivation for the series in the church is because the church from our perspective, from our, our culture, our, our age perspective, is a very nebulous thing, a very misunderstood creature. And I, I use that word creature intentionally. It is a creation of God. I, I, w- I want to get down to the very fabric of, of what church is. At its heart, it's a, it's a creation of God. Just like you and I are creations of God, the church is a creation of God. But it ultimately, the, the church is people that are gathered together for the purpose and a tool 
for God to use to, to enact His redemptive purposes for all the world. Let me say that more specifically. The church is people that are set apart by God to accomplish His redemptive purposes in those people and through those people. That's the, the point of the church. For God to, to express and make happen His redemptive purpose through all, all of history. He chooses the church and has called out people to accomplish those, those tasks within us and through us. There's much to this idea and why we're doing it, but we're doing it here to grab a hold of and wrap our minds around this nebulous mystery of the church. So we will be very deliberate, very slow, moving slowly through this so we can lay these firm foundations for what the church is. And it's what the church is globally and what the church is from a North Church perspective. And to answer these questions, why we are here living this life together, why we are here doing this struggle together, why we are gathering together each week and and praying together and meeting each other's homes and all those things together, why are we here? And ultimately, it's to accomplish this task. And it's a God-ordained task. And I'll be very repetitive tonight because there's just a few things for us to lay a hold of, but we have to beat them into our, our brains. Before we get into that, I want to define a term that Dave defined last week. Um, uh, just a, a quick little recap. First, it's the, this, whenever the word church appears in the New Testament, it's this Greek word, ekklesia, which is a compound word, ek and kaleo coming together. And ek is from or out of. I came from my parents. I came from North County. You came from your parents. You came from wherever you were born and wherever you were raised. This word ek, E-K, describes that. Where we came from. We're coming out of something. I came out of McClure High School, class of 1989. I came out of Lindenwood College, class of 1993. We came out of something. That's what ek means. And kaleo is a calling, a great purpose. So this word together, we have, God has called us out of something, called us out of our life before Him, and called us together for this great purpose. And I'm going to say this phrase in different ways tonight a lot, but you were designed and created to be here in this expression of the local church for a very specific purpose, and it is way bigger than you. Way bigger than you. It's a massive thing. And the point, I will have succeeded tonight if we walk out of these doors understanding that God has called us to a very specific purpose and a very specific mission in a very specific area, and it is massively bigger than, than we can even begin to comprehend. So we're called together for a purpose higher than ourselves, and I, I hope that you feel the gravity of that, that Christ came to this earth to redeem the world, to bring us back into relationship with God, and He has left with us the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the task of proclaiming that message to the world. We're not just here living life together so we can have somebody to go to dinner with on Friday night, or we can have a group of guys to go on a men's retreat with and hang out and get sunburned and, and have a good time. We're not just here so we can have somebody to pray with. We're not just here to have somebody that when our sister gets deathly ill, we can have somebody to support us. We're, we're not just here to, to do all, to have fun and, and, or, or to have a support group. All those things are valuable. 
deeply valuable. Kyle Manny can speak to the depth of the value of having a support group around her to, to, to fill their life with. Guys that were on the men's retreat can say, man, that was really cool just to hang out together and just connect with each other. Those are great value. But ultimately, and this is the thing that, that I, I want us to feel the great weight of. Ultimately, we are gathered here together to proclaim the redemptive message of Jesus Christ to this culture and this generation. And, it, and God designed it that way. All-knowing, all-powerful, brilliant God who could have chosen any way to accomplish that purpose, and He chose us to get it done. There's massive gravity to that. And when we, we begin to lay our whole lay our hands, wrap our hands around that, lay hold of that, feel the gravity of that, then church and where you connect has to be a whole lot less about preference, a whole lot less about style, music, dress, preaching, people. has to be a lot less about preference and style and a whole lot of theology and purpose. And I hope you see that. So as we walk through this series and we follow along community groups and, in the, and on the blog and we pray in our homes together, understand this, that we are here to, to connect with something that is much bigger than we are. Scripture uses several metaphors, and we're into the, the heart of the message now. Scripture uses several metaphors to, to teach about what the church is, and we're going to look at two of those tonight. The, the first one is the building of Christ. The building of Christ. Of Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Very famous quote. Jesus is about to leave the earth and he says this to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've heard this verse before, but I want to put it in the context of this is a metaphor that Jesus is using to help us understand what the church is. The church is this metaphor, it is a building, and Christ is the one who is building it. I will build my church upon you. The imagery that he's using is Jesus building his church and it's strong and powerful and evil cannot ultimately win. Let's break this metaphor down and understand a familiar verse. We can breeze past it and not kind of realize that he's using metaphor. Jesus is using this building metaphor to teach us about the church. Let's break this metaphor down. It has two parts. First, it's a building. And every the church has its structure. It has as its structure Jesus. Think about, look around. I'm going to talk about these bricks and these walls as we walk through this message. We, we look at this metaphor of the building. Look around, look around you at these walls and the, the structure of the bricks and and the, the concrete and, and the roof and all the things that this is the building, and there are materials that go into making this building. The essence of this metaphor, the essence of the building in this metaphor is Christ. Upon, I will build my church. I am the rock that builds this church, that puts this church together. And allow your mind to drift along the what brings the integrity of this building together. And... Integrity is a word that we talk about, uh, uh, the character of a, of a man, is does he have integrity or what? But ultimately, the, the root word of integrity is integer. And it's a whole thing. It's what gives it its wholeness. What gives the church its wholeness is Christ. 
A structure without integrity falls apart. When something disintegrates, it completely falls apart. It loses its structure completely. Jesus is using these metaphors, this integrity, this disintegrate, this, these words, these concepts to teach us what the church is about. And what holds us together as a church, as a body, is Christ. We have to have that beat into our minds. Who He is and what He is doing provides the glue that holds us together. Think about these bricks that are in the wall. What is holding them together? Whatever it is in the brick, in, in the metaphor, it's Christ. But it also, we will prevail. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is Christ speaking to Jesus. I'm establishing my strong, powerful church upon me. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. What I talked about the gravity and the weight of church and all that it is. What encouragement this has to bring to us. Christ Himself saying, the gates of hell cannot prevail against what I'm going to build. There's huge, huge implications. The church of God wins. Breathe that in deep. The church of God wins. God created and designed this whole plan. And He used the church. He's using the church to make it happen. And it will prevail. It will prevail. Pause. Stop. Breathe that in. Think through this. Christ speaking to Peter. The gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. Why can't it prevail against the church? Because its essence, what it gives it its integrity is Christ. Acts 4.11 This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. The context of this verse, Peter speaking to the Sanhedrin a few weeks or months after Christ has died, the very people that killed Christ are the very people that Peter is speaking to here. And he says to them, this Jesus is the stone, again, metaphor. Understand this is metaphor. Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, Peter probably drawing upon the courage that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that I'm building to speak to these guys who have the power and authority and have most recently practiced that power and authority to kill him. They killed Christ. He's speaking to them. Christ is the stone that you rejected. The builders. He calls them the builders. Because, here's the deal. Before Christ, the church was the Sanhedrin. They were the leaders. They were the the building blocks. But they had no integrity and it fell apart. And Christ came and destroyed that temple and rebuilt this new church, this new building. And here it is. They were the builders and now Christ is the builders and He has become the cornerstone. Imagery. What is this cornerstone? We're going to talk a lot about this concept of the cornerstone. Three things. First, The cornerstone in a building is the very first piece that's laid. Understand that in our metaphor, we we look at at this building, this concrete patch was there's probably a, a deep hole that was dug to give it its sturdiness and give it its squareness to come together to allow this building to to happen. The first piece that's laid is the cornerstone in a building. 
It's also what makes the building square. The cornerstone, if it's off a little bit, if it's not perfectly square, the rest of the building will be a failure. Its integrity will be compromised and it's going to fall. It's going to tumble. But because Christ is the cornerstone, the first piece that was laid and the piece that gives it its squareness, it will not tumble. And the cornerstone also, everything is built upon the sturdiness and the strength of a cornerstone. An off-square cornerstone will cause the building to fall. A weak cornerstone will cause the building to crumble. Jesus is the cornerstone. And understand this metaphor that as we walk through this thing, we're, the purpose of us walking through this series on the church is for us to understand what the church is, why the church is, and where it is, and all these questions about the church. And at the, the foundation, as we're walking through this, we are laying forth this understanding of what the church is. And it is Christ. 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 Everything has to build and flow from Christ. So we, as a church, what do we do? First, we go back and we understand that Christ is what gives us our strength, and Christ is what gives us our squareness, that where we build and how we build and the direction we go. And He's the first piece that's laid. Ephesians 2, 19-22. Look for the building metaphor. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's verse 19. Before I read verse 20, I want to understand this, that Ephesians is Paul's letter to the church. This is basically, the book of Ephesians is a manual for people to understand what the church is supposed to be about. And so Paul is teaching here about the church. To the church. So we can understand that as we study these verses. Paul speaking in direction to the church. Verse 20. Here come the building metaphors. And built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles and prophets, that's basically another way to say Scripture. The prophets writing the Old Testament and the apostles writing the New Testament. The apostles and prophets. The foundation of this building that is the church is Scripture. Here in verse 20, when it says, the church the household of God, the ones that are called out for my purpose to bring redemption to the world, it's built on the foundation of Scripture. Jesus Christ Himself being the cornerstone. There's that cornerstone word again. In whom the whole structure is being joined together. Joined together is this work of integrity. What holds us together as a body, what holds us together as a global understanding of church that Dave kind of talked about last week, the integrity of who we are is Christ. And the foundation of what we build forth in the future is the apostles and the prophets. Verse 22, In Him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The imagery is Scripture is the foundation and Jesus is the cornerstone. Our growth and our integrity come from Christ. Let's say that again. Our growth and our integrity come from Christ. Our growth as, as human beings and our growth as a body that is called together, our integrity and our growth come from Jesus. He is the cornerstone. Like, let's, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. I want you to look around at the individual bricks throughout this, this room. Some of you guys probably know the process of what it makes to take a brick, but ultimately what a brick is is a, is a bunch of smaller powder that has come together and, and, come, and to, to give it strength and integrity. And look, and, and each one of these bricks has, is reliant upon the other bricks. If several of these bricks here lose their integrity, lose their structure, lose their value, the whole building is going to collapse. You drive down, you guys ever driven down 70 from coming from like here going into downtown? Look around, there's just buildings that are collapsing everywhere. It's, it's really kind of, kind of sad. It's, you come from the airport to drive through downtown, you drive through this part of North City where the buildings are falling down all over the place. It's because of they haven't been maintained and the, the integrity of the structure is being compromised. It's disintegrating and just crumbling and falling apart. And think about, look around this room. If we were to, if some of these bricks were to lose their integrity, if they were to, to, to disintegrate, this building would collapse. And this building, the church, in our metaphor, would collapse. But here, 1 Peter 2.5, you yourselves are, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Understand that Christ is building His church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. That the purpose of us being together is to proclaim this massive weight of the redemption of mankind. And we are these living stones. We are the bricks in this wall. Gaining our integrity from Christ. So what are the implications of this? Of this metaphor? Think about this building metaphor. What are the implications that of this, of this metaphor? Solely, 100%, we must continually preach the Gospel of Jesus to our hearts. If Christ is what gives us our integrity and our structure, and, and we are what make up the body, leaving the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, the foundation of Scripture, and, and Christ being the cornerstone, we have to connect ourselves with this Gospel of Jesus. We must understand that our acceptance comes from God. Our righteousness, our right standing comes from Christ. Our, our failures are corrected by this cornerstone. Think back again what I talked about the cornerstone. We have our squareness and our strength and integrity come from Christ. So our failures are corrected by this perfect cornerstone. And the people around us, their failures are corrected at the same time. We have to beat this into our heads. If we are to, to operate and live and, and live out the mission that God has created us for, we have to beat this gospel into our minds. And we have to understand that I am fully accepted in the midst of my sin and the people that we are connecting with, the people around this room, we have to come to grips with that gospel in their life as well. Do, do we see that? 
Satan uses that in a church all the time to bring, to bring damage to relationship because I'll apply the gospel to my heart, but I won't allow you to apply the gospel to your heart. And we, we live and we interact with each other when people are, are, are sinful, when people hurt us, when people live lives that annoy us. I think, as I was studying this and thinking through this, uh, and I, I think I'm probably going to slap some people in the face, uh, myself included. Many times, when I think about this, I think of the first blank church of somewhere. And that there's gossip that's happening, and there's people who just don't like each other, they don't get along, it's a big church, and blah, blah, blah. And this is this sort of stuff where we apply the gospel to all of our hearts and accept people and, and love them and don't gossip and, and don't push them away and don't allow them to speak into our lives. That happens in those big established churches and not in this church plant where we have this deep sort of community and we love each other and we live life together. But if we're honest with ourselves, we there are, there are people even in this room who we won't allow to speak to our lives because of error in their past or because of how they treat us or how we perceive them to treat us. And if we understand, and I hope we do, the gravity of what's at stake We've got to get past that. The integrity of who we are is based upon Christ and His Gospel and being preached into our hearts and into our lives. I wish that... that I, I pray with desperation that we could be this sort of Gospel community, that we think that we are, that in reality we probably aren't as cool as we think we are. And we would have our hearts broken and realize that we need Christ to come and preach the gospel to us and change our hearts and change our lives because there is so much at stake. And be this living stone that First Peter talks about, a holy place where, where God is dwelling, that Christ is coming and shaping and molding and changing our hearts in our lives, in our outlook, in our willingness to, to, to connect with other people, this living stone that we just talked about is changing us. And if we would get past who we think we are and understand who we are and preach the gospel to our hearts and allow it to happen, allow ourselves to be changed, God can bring His Christ-given integrity to our hearts and to our lives and we wind up with a strong wall like these. Instead of a weak, disintegrating, falling apart wall like you see driving down Highway 7 in a downtown. That is my, my deepest prayer for who we are. Because God is beginning to show me and show us and show us all as a body that there is something much bigger than, than just the style and preference that we all have. Because I get to stand here in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops and preach to you guys. Yay, great. But there's something way bigger than that. Because we get to pray with Kyle and Mandy and, 
and, and love them and, and take them dinner and support them. That's great, but there's so much more than that. There's people all around us who don't know the gospel, who, who don't understand church to them is stop it. Don't do that anymore. There's so much more than that. It's massively important for us to wrap our minds around that. And that's why I'm being repetitive and that's why we're going slow through this core fabric foundational stuff because if we don't get it, all this other stuff is nonsense and a waste of time. We've got to understand the implication of continuing to preach the Gospel to our hearts and worrying about the structural integrity of what Christ is shaping each individual brick in this wall to be. We are called out ones given the task of proclaiming Christ to the world. We are the called out ones given the task of proclaiming Christ to the world. And here's the deal. God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. God is providential. God does not make a mistake. And God chose us, you people, to come together to be the ones to proclaim the message of redemption to this community in this area. If you doubt that for a second, you doubt the the veracity of who God is. And you're wasting your time. The church is God's vehicle to proclaim this message for all time. And North Church is God's vehicle to proclaim this message to this people in this culture in this age. Massively important. We have to see the gravity of it. The second image that he speaks of, 1 Corinthians. It's the body of Christ. Talked about the building of Christ. Now we see a metaphor of the body of Christ. Sue read it for us earlier, and I'm not going to read through the whole passage. There's going to be highlights that show up on the screen, and I want us to, to connect with, with each one of these things. And I want us to, to own each of these phrases. Let it sink deeply into who we are. The first one, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. We are a body. Look at my body. This is the metaphor that Christ is using. We are skin and blood and cells and hair and eyeballs and fingernails and all that stuff coming together. This is us. This is the church. The metaphor that Christ is using. We are one. We are all connected in a body. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Metaphor. We are all part of a body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? There are many parts, yet one body. There are many parts, yet one body. But God has so composed the body. But God has so composed the body. We are a body that is composed by God. God is perfect and doesn't make mistakes. He has you here 
on a purpose. We'll talk about implication in a second, but there's so much implication to that verse. God has so composed the body that there may be no division in the body. Again, we think division in bodies happen in established churches. We don't spend any time confronting it. We err and we sin when we do that. But that members may have the same care for one another. Here's the deal. If I were to get in some sort of accident and cut my hand on a, with a knife and something, I don't, I cut my, my finger on a knife. I don't leave my finger to fend for itself. The rest of my body, my brain thinks, my, my, my blood clots, my hands fix it, my hands put a bandage on it, all that stuff together. Understand that metaphor of the body. We are connected for this great purpose of God's grand redemption plan. We are, the metaphor is a body. We are this body and we are to connect with one another. Brings, we don't just, somebody's struggling, somebody's hurting, somebody's dealing with some issue, somebody's in sin, somebody has had a rough life happen to them, somebody has had a, a difficult time. We don't just allow them, to, like my finger, to sit there and bleed. That's nonsense. We are a body. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. I think about uh, use a lot of sports analogies. Think about Adam Wainwright. He's got a he's got a right arm that's worth ten million dollars a year. Do you think his his foot is like man? That's nonsense. But we went that way. I mean, it's, it's stupid. And you're giggling at the illustration. I, it's funny, I guess. But we're that way. We're stupid. Man. We're a body. I hope you, you, you can see past the, the humor and get to the the core of what's being spoken to you there. And it's not about the rejoicing. It's not about the suffering. It's about this task that God has given to us. It's so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And this is a directive we're given to accomplish this task. Stop being a foot going, man, stop doing that. Stop being that. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. I have a, a friend who uh, is the kind of facility manager of the church where I used to work. Uh, First Baptist Ferguson. His name's Ken. Great dude. Never seen anybody work harder for the body of Christ than Ken. He has this, some sort of disease that attacks his feet and he gets a blister on his foot that's caused by an infection. And it's a really pretty much an inoperable infection. And so they can treat it a little bit and sometimes they get early enough they can save it, but 
basically what's happened to Ken is he's gotten a blister on his toe, and he, they, can't, nothing, they can't fix it. And this, this uh, infection begins to grow and grow and grow, and he's lost two toes because of this infection. And now, currently, hung out with him last week, he's got a blister on his foot. And if medication doesn't work, they can halt the growth of this infection and maybe kill this infection, which is very unlikely, he's going to have his foot cut off. We are members of, of one body. We rejoice together. We hurt together. And we have to, to see these implications of what it means to be a body. First, the implications. We are to live together. It doesn't make any sense for our arm to be in one place and our foot to be in another and our neck to be in one place and an eye. It just doesn't make sense. We are living this life together. God has called us together to live and do life together. And also, we have a very specific purpose. 1 Corinthians 12 talks really deeply about eyes and ears and hands and feet. They all have very specific purposes. You have a very specific purpose and very specific reason for being here, but this is the thing I, I really want to say, the, the real strongest implication. If you did not fulfill your purpose, this church suffers. If you are unconnected, this church is not all that it can be. Ken Boss doesn't have two toes. In a month, he might not have a foot. He is not nearly as effective of a body, his body is not effective because he's missing toes. His body is not as effective if he has to lose a foot. Blind men don't have the abilities that you and I have because their eyes don't work. You have a very specific purpose in this body. And when you don't do, when you don't connect with that purpose, this body suffers. And how wickedly selfish is it for you to sit and be the eye and not connect with a, a blind body? It's ridiculous. Especially when we come to terms with the, the grand scope of why we are here. If you do not fulfill your purpose, if you are not connected, and I'm not just saying your purpose here is to Megan comes and, and brings the food every week. Jeff and Kelly and Travis lead us in worship. Those are purposes, and the, the sheets are back with the kids tonight. Those are purposes, and they're connecting, and the body's being served for those reasons. But I'm also talking about community group. Your voice in that conversation is God-ordained. Do you understand that? When you sit there and, and you don't, or, or you, you don't even sit there, you don't even go, or you... You, you don't connect with things. Our body suffers. Your voice in this body is God-ordained. Deep implication of this metaphor of the, the body of Christ. Imagine, there's one more metaphor We're in Ephesians. We talk about this concept of headship. Imagine Cooper goes to a birthday party. And imagine Cooper knocks over a light 
that sparks and catches like a whole bed, this whole a whole kid's bedroom on fire. Catches it completely on fire, destroys this kid's bedroom. He's got like some bed sheet that his great grandmother quilted or something, and it's just this big deal. Ultimately, I am going to feel deep responsibility for that because my son, who I'm responsible for, did something to cause this fire and it burned everything up. I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to want to you know, somehow make these people whole again. This gets at this concept of headship. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And He put all things, He, Christ, under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Christ is our head. Ephesians 4.15 Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Christ is the head. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself its Savior. Headship, this concept of headship is the responsibility for the relationship. Cooper messed up in my little story. I'm the one responsible. Christ is the head of the church. He is the one responsible for us. He is the cornerstone, the corrector. He is responsible. And and at the heart of this, your relationship with God is solely 100% dependent upon Christ and not your actions. That's headship. Christ is the head of the church, and that's what this is talking about. So, Christ is the foundation in our metaphor with the building, and Christ is the head responsible for our relationship, for our being, for the integrity of the brick that we are, for the integrity of the the skin and the body that we're in. Christ is the head. He is responsible. What are the implications of all of this? First, we have a calling that's bigger than each of us. The building and the body are metaphors to show us that we are simply a brick or simply a body part that is alone of little value, but in the context of a church, great things are accomplished. Understand this. Don't be distracted by anything in this moment. Understand this. God has gifted you and created you for a very specific purpose. And He's placed you in this expression of His global church. When I mean this expression of His global church, I mean North Church. He has placed you here, very specifically. This church suffers and is not all that it can be when we are not fully connected and fully engaged and preaching the Gospel to our hearts all the time. Because this calling is huge. Secondly, the second implication. All that we have and all that we are as a church is in Christ. He is the head. He is the cornerstone. And as such, our our purpose, our vision, our identity, our value, our strength, our effectiveness, our unity, our growth, all of these things have at their roots Christ. 
and it grows from that. Let's pray. Holy God, I pray that You would impose a great weight upon our shoulders to understand the depth of what it means to be a church. That You have called us out, separated us for a purpose, a huge purpose. God, connect our hearts with that. Connect our minds with what You're speaking to our hearts, God. Thank You that You've given us this body, this expression of Your global church, to give us this support, to give us this these pleasures that, that we get, this community that we have, these friends that we have. Thank You for, for all of that, God. But I pray that You would continue to draw us beyond the comfort of those things, Father. And out into the, the frontier of Your big purpose, God. To go and proclaim Your redemption to this generation. And God, as we embark, would You give us the connectiveness and the community to encourage and be encouraged to stay rooted and established and grounded in Your Son Jesus in His Gospel. I thank You for Jesus. God, allow us as we stand and respond and worship to breathe Him in deep. That our sin would be separated from us, God, and we would stand before You holy and blameless and anointed and rest in Your provision and embark on Your mission for our lives. We thank You for Jesus. It's in His name that I pray. Amen.